Hi folks, it's Dan Lanny here from fstopacademy.com with another industry insights for you. This week we are speaking to Mick Jones of Lit Up Digital in Sydney. Mick's just finished a two-month shoot shooting on the F55 in 4K and it raised uh, a question about storage and managing media and it's something I've been experiencing myself just with increasing amounts of data coming into the edit suite. Now we recorded this uh, by the pool in Beverly Hills so <laughs> we have a you know where it's uh, excuse the pool noise but uh, the stuff we cover is really really important. So thanks again to Rode Microphones for sponsoring these podcasts and uh, here's the uh, chat. Hi folks, it's Dan and Mick here uh, for another episode of Industry Insights. We are still um, sitting by the pool in Beverly Hills, which is such a wanky thing what to say. What a wanker. But you know, we're, being fa- we're just being factually correct. Anyway, uh, we are going to talk a bit about um, storage and workflow. Um, recently... Mick, you've just finished a fairly massive project. Talk to me about that. We needed a ton of storage for this, and we kind of even underestimated it at first. We um, shot a a 26-part series, a kids series for BBC. So it's 26 12-minute episodes, and we we, we were shooting that in 4K acquisition. So we used a compressed 4K codec. On the F55. Which is on, the camera was the F55. So is that the XAVC codec? That's right, yeah. It's the XAVC codec. uh, And we were recording to the S by S cards in the Sony camera. And on a 128 gig card, we get 63 minutes of 4K. It's pretty good, isn't it? It is good. I think it's quite efficient. Do you know what kind of ratio the compression is? Ooh, is that like 7 to 1? I could be way off there. Kind of like the red stuff. Well, you know, but it's not a raw, but no. probably the same ratio. Might be the same ratio, but it's definitely not yeah. raw. But we we shot it in S log two, and we um we then were we were du- dual recording. We recorded also to a ProRes recorder. Oh, okay. So, so what, what did you use for that? A Blackmagic uh, Hyperdeck Hyperdeck Shuttle two. So we had an SDI feed out of the F fifty five straight into the Hyperdeck to get a HD ProRes of it so we did a center cut 16 by 9 hd out of a 4k because 4k is 17 by 9 slightly different aspect ratio than hd and so can you can you send 16 by 9 out of one of those outputs that's right yep so you've got configurable outputs on that there's a 2k output there's hd output you can have it clean you can have it you know with the on-screen display on it so we sent a 16 by 9 center cut HD and for anyone who's not familiar with the term center cut explain what that is okay so in terms of like pan and scan so in terms of a 16 by 9 frame the pixels the number of pixels in a 4k frame uh, width to height make it 17 by 9 so it's slightly wider than the standard HD frame so you can choose to set your output when you're going down down converting to HD you can choose to have that be a center cut cropped image so it lops off the left hand and right hand side of the frame vertically or you can letterbox it which is puts a, a black bar top and bottom to get it into a 16 right. by 9 frame it's not much different it's just it's just very it's very slight but that's the number of pixels that are that we're dealing with so and um, so what so why did you have a sort of 16 by 9 1080p version was that just so you could 
reference stuff. So, you've, so you've, basically you come away with a 4K master, which is XAVC, which is still compressed, but it's 4K. Right. And you have a 1920 by 1080 ProRes. Yeah, so what we were doing is the series deliverables are 1920 by 1080 HD, 25p. And we were we are working to give a 1080p finish. So we wanted to be able to start editing straight away. And rather than going through the, the proxies on the same card as the 4K ones, we needed to be able to send ProRes files to the uh, compositors, which are a company in Canada, and they're, they're doing all the animation and compositing of this stuff. And we're, they're working in uh, After Effects and Nuke, and we uh, the, the XAVC codec is so new that it's just not supported natively in that software. So we needed a, a file format that, that is going to be able to be sent out to different uh, departments and different numbers of workstations. So they may have any number of compositors working on different scenes. The shots get distributed out after we do a, a mastered a picture. We get picture lock on the edit and then we send that to the compositors and they divvy it up and then send it out to all different workstations. And uh, we needed a codec that was going to be able to be distributed amongst for a collaborative workflow on that team. So we chose ProRes because the XAVC is not yet supported in Adobe uh, Premiere, which is what we were editing in as well. So <coughs> what we did was ended up for the shots that we required 4K, which have uh, digital camera zooms and pans and uh, flybys and, and whatnot, we transcoded the XAVC 4K into ProRes 4K using DaVinci Resolve. And then we'll put a 4K ProRes file onto a HD timeline which then gives us uh, room to keep one-to-one -one pixel ratio and blow up the, the footage to 200% or move it and pan and scan it around within a HD frame. So what that results in is quite massive files because we've got the 4K originals, which aren't too bad. I think that's a really economic codec and it yeah. looks great. Once we, once we s smash it into 4K ProRes... You're dealing with a whole other file size there. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But we ended up having, I think, because we, we, we were going for redundancy as well, we had 10 terabyte work drives, two of those, and two 8 terabytes. So we had 18 terabyte work worth of work drives. On set. Yep. And then actually we got another f uh, four terabytes. So we had 22 terabytes worth of storage to try and get all the rushes on to and that was mirrored so that was 44 terabytes to um to get it all onto it was a two-month shoot a so lot just of footage just a wee bit of storage then yeah <laughs> yeah and we but the, the thing is it's a, that's great is that you know we did a series like this a couple of years ago and and to get through it in post we needed um uh, and i did the edit it was a series edited on that so we, we we designed a workflow for that from the camera right through to compositing and we were using ProRes for that as well, but we were acquir acquiring with the AVC Intra codec, which is really nice. But we, you know, we needed fiber channel XSANs, XServe RAIDs, and all this kind of rack-mounted, high-speed, high-data transfer stuff to do multi-layered, you know, HD stuff. And what we're getting now out of a fairly cheap Thunderbolt 5-disc RAID is the kind of performance that you know, we couldn't dream of a couple of years ago, and it's so much cheaper. 
it really is. And we were we were editing that that series on, you know, Mac Mac Pro Towers with, you know, extra grunt, and we did this on uh, IMAX, just spec'd out on the right from the Apple Store, and then off the shelf, Thunderbolt five disc raids. So what did you use for your storage? What talk to you about brands and? Okay, so we used a Lassie, ten terabyte five disc raid, which and we that costs approximately. It's about eleven hundred dollars. That's Aussie dollars. dollars, yeah. Aussie US, same thing at the time, and um, that was our main work drive. And then we got a, we ended up getting another eight terabyte Lassie two disc raid, Thunderbolt as well. And so the, this is what the reason I'm asking is that like this is not enterprise storage. This is off the shelf, totally off the shelf, shelf storage. Yeah, and we you know researched it a bit and did some sp- testing with the speed and and it was just so fast and so quick to move the files around too. Like, and we're using Thunderbolt to get files moved around. What we're using is your interconnects. So we've got a S by S card reader from Sony for the new cameras as a USB three connection. Right. Which isn't quite as fast as Thunderbolt, but, but it's, so five it's damn fast. Yeah. So to offload 128 gigs worth of footage it wasn't taking a long time. And then uh, moving things around on Thunderbolt drives is just a breeze. So at the end of the day, when we'd, we'd wrap camera and then we'd, we'd have to um, give it to editing to, to back up the last card, we, you know, in, in past days, we'd be waiting around for hours for that stuff to copy. And then you've got to do two copies of it and... You want to do two copies from the same place. You don't want to make a copy of the copy. So it was all kind of, you know, quite quite painful. But it's just so much quicker now. Even just having USB 3.0. And I'm sure if they bring out Thunderbolt uh, card interfaces, it's just, it'll double in speed again. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're now sitting at the point where you've, you've wrapped principal photography and, and the actual shoot part's finished. So you've now got 44 terabytes of storage. I guess because we've spoken about this, are, are you kind of now trying to figure out how to, to, to long-term archive that? Yeah, that's the next step that I, as a kind of a, I don't know, a goal to come up with a solution for, for the whole business, for everything that I've been doing for the last 15 years, really, um, that's sitting on hard drives all over the place and and not, not so much on tape. Um, and, you know, hard drives can fail and they can seize up and all that sort of thing. So... I'm considering going down the LTO uh, path to as an as an archive method. I don't know much about it though, to be honest. I got to I got to do a bit of research into it. I know we we used LTO and the Dirt Girl when we did the post for that uh, as one of the methods of backup. But we had we had uh, what do we have? Massive again. It was the C drives. Like at the time, I think we had six terabytes or eight terabytes worth. Firewire 800s and eSATA drives to as backups as well. So we were editing off the XSAN uh, fiber channel and then backing up to the eSATA Lassies. And um, there was also another backup going to LTO, which was handled by another department. So, well, I mean, it, it's interesting because you know, you, going from that project to what you've just done, you've multiplied your storage requirements by seven times because you've gone 4K. Which is, I think, an interesting point that when you when you're looking at you know 4K acquisition, is you you're, you're s- at least six or seven times more footage that needs to be backed up. Now, I I don't have anywhere near that kind of storage, but actually, I still got about 18 terabytes that I edit from 
another 30 terabytes of kind of archive storage. And I'm, I was, I've been using Drawable Pro, which has got six, uh, it's got 20, 20 terabytes in it. Right, I haven't um, used those. But, but, I've, but I've gotten to a point where, you know, you never want to delete anything, so you keep dump if you're not I sure know, you yeah. end up dumping stuff onto drives and go you know archive this drive yeah, I'll and deal with drive. it later and, and later never happens yeah so i took the decision just recently because i'd kind of basically filled up all my drives again and i tried to cut something out. i was out of space and i was like I, I don't, i'm too paranoid to um to, to sort of delete anything and i didn't want to just buy another promise raids i didn't want to buy another promise raids because I thought, well, all I'm going to do is end up having the same problem and amplifying the same problem. Right. I have to deal with it. Yeah. And James Tonkin, a friend of mine, uh, has just been using LTO for quite a number of years. And I asked his advice. Uh, and off the back of that, I've basically decided to go down the LTO route. Now, it's a, it's a funny thing because you never think you've got to store that much stuff and it then you get to a point where you realize that another promise raid would be another 1800 pounds so it's two and a half thousand bucks so what i did is i i bought a quantum lto5 drive and quantum lto5 will give me one and a half terabytes of data storage on an lto tape now the re reality is is that uncompressed i'll get 1.38 terabytes of, of actual storage space on that drive. So here's what I had to do. I had to, I bought this Quantum LTO5 drive. Now they're about 1500 pounds sterling, um, but I picked one up on eBay uh, for like 900. I then had to buy an Atto, A-double-T-O, Thunderlink, which is a Thunderbolt to SAS adapter. And that was 600 pounds. I'm just dying for someone to bring a product out called the Thunderbox. The Thunderbox. <laughs> So this thing's 600 pounds, and then so that, that interfaces the SAS connection from the quantum drive to the computer. Then you need software to actually manage the archive, and there's a company called Brew, who have a piece of software called Brew PE, Brew, B-R-U, Producers Edition, Brew PE. You get 30 days free to trial this, and it's, um, it's kind of drag and drop, but it's an archive and recovery system. So you build up your data to your 1.38 terabytes. Uh, it then manages the writing of that data to your LTO tape. Uh, but most importantly, verifies the data once it's copied. Now, so it's, it's quite a slow process. How does it work, though? Can you just, with the tape, can you just add to it like you would with a hard drive? Or do you have to fill it up you and know, then no, let you, it... You, you, you can absolutely add to it like a hard drive. So. Right. The way, the way the BrewPE software works is it, it, you drag and drop things into your folder, but it also indexes it, so it lets you know where stuff is actually going. Um, and um, so from, from there, basically, the, the process is, is you use this BrewPE software, so you decide what you're gonna put on a tape, and there's a bit of manual side to this as well, which is you need to make you need to have a, have a system for archiving your tape. So I've got a spreadsheet on Google Docs, yeah, and I have you know tape one, and then I have what's on that tape, and I physically mark up tape one, and you can digitally label tape one so that it writes that onto the data tape. Uh, the actual transfer speeds are not that fast, so you know the the, the backup process over you know kind of do it overnight, you know, yeah, um, but. It's, it's the recovery side of it, which is what the software is really good at. So when you put the tape in, it knows exactly what's, what's on that tape. And 
what, you can load that back in. What does the interface look like? I mean, does it? If you're on a Mac, do you, do you open up a, a hard drive icon and then put folder structures in no, there? No, no. You, you you use this software called Brew Brew PE. So that opens up, and that then shows you where all your or where all your file sources are on your desktop. Right. Okay. And and where where your tapes are, and if a tape is loaded into the machine. But what they will, what it will also do, which is kind of cool, is that and, and you know you, this software is five hundred dollars, so you kind of feel a little bit like ouch. But if you've got like twenty or thirty tapes, or fifty tapes, or hundred tapes, you know, as you as you build your business, it indexes every single tape within the software, and so whatever you call your tapes, it's always there in the interface. So there's like a virtual tape library, right? And what you do is you can then call that tape up, and it will say, right, on this on this virtual tape image there's all these files so you need to just find physically right. tape number 16 that's on your shelf and put that back into the machine and it will load everything back into your system right and how, what's the sort of shelf life of these tapes like what's uh, the expected 30 years 30 years okay so you know it's it's a lot more stable than storing stuff on hard drives and actually you know all you need to do is spin the tape up and down every 5 or 10 years and you know it'll be fine yeah okay you know, tape's been around a long time. Tape is very stable. So it's just, it's interesting, you know, that we're kind of, tape. we're not completely tapeless. We're actually going back to a tape archive system. Right. But it just means that we've gotten to a size at F-Stop where, you know, as well as the education, we do a lot of corporate work and we just finished a big film project for Sony and we racked up a fair bit of storage on that. So, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's having a system and, and, I think biz small small to medium sized production companies have kind of always just like you said you know built on using hard drives and we've just gotten to a point where we've sort of taken a responsible decision to build an archive strategy because as we move towards 4K we did a couple of projects last year on RED and like suddenly in the black magic camera you're shooting raw suddenly you're filling an 8 terabyte drive like that well that that 44 terabytes that we talked about before that was just for this project that doesn't include all the other ones that I've got that it, all the other jobs, the short form jobs are on. You know, we're, we're looking at that close to 100 terabytes of all different drives kicking around the place and it just ends up being a, a shit fight. But the other thing about the drives, I look at all my drives and I'm like, God, how much money have I spent on hard drives? And it's a very expensive way to keep archiving stuff. <laughs> so as much as it hurts <clears throat> spending two or three grand getting this tape system, the tapes themselves are like 30 quid. And you get one yeah. and a half terabytes, and so well, the cost of storage has come down so much, hasn't it? It has, and and and, and the other thing is the hard, the whole Moore's law thing with hard drives is that a hard, I mean, I've got hard drives which are like two hundred fifty gigs and are you know Firewire four hundred. They're completely redundant now, yeah, yeah. So they're not actually that cost efficient. It's not a very good environmental decision to keep buying hard drives. Um, and and you end up with all this stuff, and you don't know where anything it's, is. It's funny how fast it changes too. Like we did the the banana splits series another kid series for warner brothers and we i remember buying our first one terabyte drive on that job yeah and it was like i think it was about 1800 bucks <laughs> for oh a God. one terabyte drive and that was huge we thought this is this is really going to get us through this is going to be amazing yeah and now what's one terabyte worth it's just ridiculous I know. it changes so far well, i use these little western digital passport drives two terabytes are like 150 quid yeah and I've, I've got three or four of them, and they just keep filling up. You know, it, it's it's so easy to fill two terabytes now. And I guess now that you've got the, the F55, 
you know, you shoot a couple of 4K projects, or I shoot a couple of raw projects in the Black Magic, and like, bang, you know, four or five terabytes are just gone. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, and no, I think uh, archiving is, it's not the sexy end of things, but actually, if you're running a business, it's kind of vital. Because, you, you know, we were just talking there that Steve wanted an interview you'd done with Russell Boyd. And, and you can't you can't locate it just at this minute in time because you know it's on a drive somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we just don't know where. So I think oh, I've actually been pretty good with doing that spreadsheet thing, but with a drive-based system instead of yeah. tape. But it's still I don't know. It's you just sort of you can put one of those drives in and the, and it's seized up because you haven't spun the, the discs up in yeah. a while, you know. Or yeah, whatever, so. it's a risk. So anyway, folks, that's that's our thoughts on archiving for what it's worth, and you know. Please, please don't feel like you have to listen to us. We're just, we're just kind of, you know, gassing away here, sharing our way of doing things, and hopefully, it's it's useful to you. Um, and then, you know, if you have any questions or areas you'd like Mick and I or Bruce to discuss, then you know, drop a comment in the box below, and um, and we'll we'll talk about it because this is as much about us just kind of trying to share information with you. Yeah, and stay tuned because we've got a, a couple more podcasts coming where. Uh with Bruce as well, so there'll be uh, the three of us talking shit. Yeah. Thanks, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> right, folks. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.